Your choice is simple. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration. Hello there. Welcome to Skeptics and Believers, a paranormal podcast. On this week's episode, we discuss Willie Strieber. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, Eddie. So yeah, this week, we're going to be discussing Whitley Strieber, famous for his book, Communion. And we're going to be talking about the experience that led to that book and the film with Christopher Walken. (laughs) So before we start off, I was watching quite an interesting lecture by a professor at Bowie University about abductees and abduction experiences. And she said at the beginning that an abductee refers to someone who has or believes that they have been abducted by aliens. So you don't necessarily have to have been abducted by aliens to be an abductee. You just have to believe that you've been abducted to be an abductee. According to a professor from Birmingham University. Indeed. So that's relevant to this. And mind, just for our international just for our international listeners, is that Birmingham? United Kingdom Correct, or yes. Alabama. Birmingham, United Kingdom. Thank you for clarifying. Yes. So this begins in December, Boxing Day, 1985. So Whitley Strieber, who was at the time an author, who'd written a number of books about werewolves. And I think from what I read, he was the one behind The Howling, or one of his books was the inspiration for the film yeah, The Howling. Yeah, yeah. So at the time, he was with his wife staying at their cabin out in the wilderness, and at around 11 o'clock that night, gone to bed, set their home alarm system, got into bed and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, at around about 3.15am, he was woken up. There's that time again, 3.15am. He was woken up. The witching hour. He was woken up by a strange noise in his bedroom, and he opened his eyes and looked up to see a small humanoid entity approaching his bed. And then the next thing he remembers is waking up and it's the morning. Mm. So he remembers feeling uneasy. That sounds like a dream. It sounds like a dream. (laughs) So he recounted that he woke up feeling uneasy and disorientated and in a bit of a foul mood as well. Is that because, yeah, is that, is that because it was the day after Boxing Day and he'd been drinking all day? Maybe. I, do you know what? I don't. They don't have Boxing Day in America. It doesn't it's, they? It doesn't don't. Exist. What do they not? No. no. What do they have no, instead? No, no, no. It's, weird. it's weird. They don't have anything. They just have nothing. I can't believe that. I know it's crazy. It's crazy. It would never have happened if the, the Brits had stayed in charge. Um, <laughs> they, they would have had another holiday. Um, so he shook it off as being a nightmare, and but he was convinced that during the night, at some point, there was an owl like a, a barn owl with big black eyes looking through the window at him. Now, the following evening, he'd been out skiing with his wife and didn't feel very well. He was coming down with a fever and chills and put himself to bed. And a few hours later, their neighbours came over. So he took himself out of bed, still in a bit of a bad mood, went downstairs and started saying to them about how at three o'clock in the morning, he'd seen a snowmobile between their two properties. 
But yeah. at the time that he was telling them this story, he states that he remembers thinking to himself, why am I telling them this story? I'd, I don't even remember this. What, why are these words coming out of my mouth? So he's starting to recount these strange memories that he was having of that night to the point where he went and sought the assistance of Bud Hopkins, who was a quite well-known ufologist, but also a hypnotist. So Bud Hopkins used hypnosis to enable Schreiber to remember the events of that night. And what he remembered was quite shocking. Okay, just before you move on, cynic, cynic again. If you go oh, to... If, God, if, if always you, if a you, cynic. Yeah, but come on. If, if, if you want to just remember what happened, you go to a hypnotist. You don't go to a hypnotist who is also an alien believer. Because there's there's a bias, isn't there? There's an obvious bias to what that person wants you to remember or what oh. you're hoping to remember from going to see someone but, with that particular well, set yeah. of interests, surely. And he could implant ideas surreptitiously through hypnosis. Well, he yeah, could. that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. You know, either like he's because okay, you'll, I know you'll get onto you know what he actually said, but that to me is a that that's a big red flag. Just go to an actual hypnotist, you know, one that's one that doesn't believe in spacemen. Okay. Yeah, true, true. So during his sessions, Strieber described being visited by four different types of alien. One was a small robot-like creature. Biddy biddy biddy. Well, yeah. One he described as being a short fat man. Could have been me. One being a short grey skinned humanoid with big black eyes. Ah, archetypal grey. Yeah. Was the other one a lizard man? And the, the other one was a much taller, lizard-like grey alien. Yes. No, <laughs> lizard, lizard. So I'm all in, in that. I'm all in. In these sessions, he, he recalls that they took him up to their, their craft in a beam of light and that he was experimented on and that he had a needle inserted through his eyeball into his brain, that they implanted a tracking device of some kind into his brain via his ear and one that I know, Matt, you're going to personally enjoy, that he was anally probed by these creatures. Now, I haven't been able Big to fan. check, but I, I think this I'm might be the first, <laughs> the first instance of, of anal probing. Alien anal probing. This is when, this, oh, is is when, right? okay. this is when the aliens first took our anal virginity. Could be, could be. So, it is. Ooh. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that eight, Anal probed by a lizard man is going to be a book you can find on Amazon. Probably, probably. Probably. Now, for several years after the event, Strieber claims that he was regularly visited by these creatures whenever he went and stayed at the cabin in the woods. And he's gone <laughs> on to write a number of different books about his experience, the, the most famous one being Communion, which not only spawned the film with Christopher Walken, but is also believed to be the origin of the stereotypical grey alien because of the cover art that was painted by an artist called Ted Seth Jacobs. Now it's that, my dad had this book in, I think in 1987 when it came out, my dad got the book from a bookshop in Litchfield and the front cover of that book has scared the shit out of me ever since. This is the famous book that has been referenced on at least two or three episodes of Skeptics and Believers. Over over the last decade, we've heard about this book. I think we're going to have to see it when we're, when we're in Kent in the next couple of weeks, well, if you, if, if you uh, pay homage, if you, if you just Google communion by Whitley, Whitley Strieber, couldn't say his name, then you'll see the picture. It's not even that well drawn to be fair. It's so it's, it's a painting of this very pale 
almond-shaped black eyes, triangular, almost head, very thin neck, slim shoulders. It's it's freaky as f. It's not in the slightest. It's been giving you the willies, Mike, in a non-anal probe way for quite some time, hasn't it? When like when we were talking about the Canuck Chase stuff, and I mentioned about in the the late eighties, there was the spate of UFO sightings. It was around about this time that my dad bought that book, and me and my imagination, you know, I had a, I had because of that book, I had a nightmare that that thing was stood in my room looking at me, just looking, just looking. Yeah. <laughs> so this was nineteen eighty eight. So is this is this literally the first picture that depicts this almond eyed, almond face type? Like, and that was based off no... that. That was based off Whitley Strieber's description of the alien. Now, because that's quite that's quite late, isn't it? Nineteen eighty-eight. I hate that picture. Kind of... I I had a girlfriend who thought it'd be fucking hilarious to set my wallpaper on my computer as that. So <laughs> when I got when I got back from dropping her home and I turned my computer on, I literally pissed myself. I mean, I I think that's pretty funny. Aww. Well, you you literally passed urine, Mike. A little bit of urine was passed. Yeah. Whitley Strieber's gone on to make quite a bit of money out of this, not only mm. with the books that he's written and, and the film, but also all the, the conventions and interviews that he does. But he, I've, I've watched videos of interviews and he, he firmly believes that this happened to him. He's very, he's very media savvy though. He is. I will but say that. Yeah, he's an author, isn't he? Yeah, and he was an author of unusual, so we've got The Wolfen, 78, We've got The Hunger, which was also turned into a film with Susan Sarandon and David Bowie in 1981. So he was already in that kind of space, wasn't he? He was writing books, selling them for lots of money as screenplays. I mean, if you're running out of ideas... Well, or, you know, or or when he wrote it, maybe he started out to write, you know, a a fictionalised first-person account of what it would would be like to be an abductee, which turned into... I mean, I I don't know. I I don't know anything about the guy, but that's... You know, it's, it's definitely something that authors try to do, isn't it? Change their writing style, use different methods to, you know, to sell a compelling story. So it might have just been an experiment in book writing that actually then turned into, you know, something, something quite... bigger. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I said earlier that, you know, believed to be the origin of the grey aliens, but in thinking about it, the book came out in 1987. 1977, I want to say. Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. And the aliens yeah. in that are very much like the cover of that book. Yeah. With the big heads and the big eyes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we've done stories on this before about, you know, the, the, the guy that we, the guy, again, you'll probably need to tell me, you know, what his name was, but there, there were, um, there were forest owls around him that, that we thought might, he might have confused as being. Oh, uh, that, the Hopkinsville. Agents. Hopkinsville there you go, Hopkinsville, yeah, you know, but even that, because that was a long time ago, wasn't it? It was in like the 40s or the 50s from from what I remember. Yeah. But even that was, you know, these kind of, you know, almond-faced, big-eyed, owly aliens. Now, interestingly enough, going off subject slightly, but the Hopkinsville stuff, our friend Dave pointed me to a documentary series on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It was about something in Hopkinsville that was very similar, but happened... Not too long ago. Okay. Ooh. So that's something we need to visit at some point. Hopkinsville Can we too. Go to Hopkinsville. Yeah. And do and do a Ouija Can we board. Visit Hopkinsville. <laughs> yes. I'm afraid the budget will not stretch to transatlantic flights. <sighs> but yeah, I mean like thinking about it, 
because obviously when I was a kid growing up, my dad read the book, I saw the film, and it was always, there was an X-Files episode based on him and what happened to him. And for me, it was very like, it was the archetypal alien abduction story. Yeah. And then you were obviously having, having, having seen it as well as, you know, because you wouldn't have read that book, would you? But you'd, you'd, no. you'd have seen the cover and yeah. seeing the film, seeing it on the X-Files, Little Mike, Little Mike would have believed it and assumed that he yeah. was going to get abducted. But now, like thinking about it and thinking about the fact that, well, at the time I didn't know that he was, you know, an author of fiction, horror fiction, let's say. Thinking about it now, again, like the Amityville stuff, it's quite a fantastical story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably some truth that he had a weird experience on that evening, you know, caused by something. But whether... I'm not going to say he was abducted by aliens. Of course, I'm not. That's not my job. But, you know, he, he probably did have a bit of a weird experience. You know, it happens to people sometimes. You know, I've I, I've had things, you know, things like waking dreams. I used to have, remember my, our third year at uni, Mike, when I, I, I know I've told you about this before, I used to have a pair of curtains yeah. in, in my bedroom. Curtains. My spooky curtains. And they were a pair of curtains that I'd bought from a charity shop. And I bought them because they were horrible looking. Um, and they, and I thought that was funny because, you know, I was one of those people. So I had these horrible curtains up and I would wake up sometimes in the middle of the night, sometimes maybe at quarter past three in the morning, spooky time, witching hour, whatever it is. And I would be convinced that there was a face in those curtains looking at me. And this happened loads of times when I was at uni. Now, the thing is, after lying there for however long it was, it might have been a minute that felt like two hours, but however long I was there staring at them, after a little while, I'd go, it's just my curtains, and then I'd go back to sleep. Now, I I could either go, yeah, you know, I used to drink quite a lot when I was at university, and I had very high anxiety and depression, so maybe it was those things that were causing me to have these, you know, uncomfortable evenings. Or I could say, I used to have a pair of curtains that was possessed that I got from a charity shop. Now I know I which one it was. I think other people go the other way. Absolutely. Yeah, let's do that next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's it's kind of looking at it, you know, he came down with a fever the following day. Mm. Who's not to say that he had some kind of fever dream. Crazy fever the night before and yeah. and caused him to have a lucid dream. Where exactly. he where, you know, where he saw these things and 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 got a metal rod shoved up his bum. Well, that's it. I mean, the other option is that that cabin in the woods was where he used to go for his illicit trysts and they were all aliens, dear, is just his excuse for why his friends had come round. But his wife was there, though. Wasn't yeah, his wife, his wife Anne was there, yeah. Well, I'm not judging them on what they want to do in the privacy of their own cabin. If yeah. the cabins are rocking. <laughs> so one thing, I, I know I said this before we actually started recording, but I found it quite difficult to find any kind of websites online that just had information about his first encounter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did as well when I was looking. Yeah. Whenever you try and search for him, it's always it's always interviews about for the book. his Yeah, for yeah. or for the later books that came out. Yeah, I think that's another thing as well is that this this wasn't a story that was once and done. This is a story that he's then continued to embellish and revisit and take a different view at. And I I, I saw that some of the later books, they get into things like time traveling and uh, alternate dimensions, which, yeah. you know, you know, great. You know, I, I like weird, wacky sci-fi ideas, but 
it, it that that I think the more you embellish a story, the less real the the truth of it sounds. And if there is any truth in this, it probably doesn't do him any favors that he's continued to embellish it. Yeah, well, he, he calls them visitors, doesn't he? Rather than referring to oh, them yeah. as extraterrestrials, yeah. he now he now refers to them as being interdimensional beings rather than aliens. So that's how that that's changed. Yeah, it is a bit tricky. I we kind of. I went onto YouTube to see what I could find, and I could find his own personal channel with all of his videos on, and then just you know, just in like in the generic stuff that you get as well, just not just nothing, just nothing there at all. But having a look through at his books and when they were written and things like that, he is a well-versed sci-fi writer well before 1987 when Communion came out. Oh, it was it 86? Was it the end of 86 that he had his experience? Was that when it was? 1985. He's, he's yeah, he's also okay. written some books which are kind of like faction. So he's done some about Hitler. I think in 2018 there was a book about Hitler, which was a bit of a, a, a it was taking facts, but also kind of weaving a fictitious story. Hmm. Well, one thing that I did want to bring up, and I thought this was quite interesting, is that when we talk about the grey alien... The etymology of that description of small grey-skinned beings with big black eyes. So apparently the first literary reference of that is from a book in 1891, which is called A Tale of the Future, which was written by Kenneth Follingsby. And apparently that inspired H.G. Wells. And in both of those instances, they talk about its humanity in the future that these are, this is what humans look like in the future. Yeah. Is it like the and one of the thing the Morlocks or whatever oh, yeah. they're called from the time machine? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that obviously influenced that. But I think the other thing that was quite interesting is Lisa and I listened to some interviews of of him talking, and he talks a lot about the soul, and it's almost some of uh, he's he's kind of exploring almost like a spirituality element to yeah. it as well, which I think yeah, is quite yeah. interesting. Because yeah. he claims to converse with his wife, who's recently, well, I say recently, but a, a few years ago she passed away. Yeah, she passed well, six he, years ago. She passed away, but yeah. But he says he kind of communicates with her, like she sends him messages. And I think that I wonder whether it'd be interesting to see if his opinions on. I mean, again, he terms them visitors. He's he'd never calls them aliens but it seems to be quite interesting it's almost like by not defining what he thinks happened it's given him an awful lot of flexibility to cover quite a lot of topic areas yeah and and an appeal to a wide market as well because you know if you're if you're someone who believes in time travelers or angels or spacemen then you know that that could fit what you what you want to read about and believe in couldn't it yeah He's covering all bases, yeah. isn't he? I'm sure as well. Answer. Some of his later books are related to, you know, Jesus and, uh, like you say, that spirituality angle as well. As well mm-hmm. as he's written a load of stuff about kind of, um, you know, apocalyptic events and what the future will look like and a lot of that kind of speculative... Um, yeah, The Day After Tomorrow. Futurism. He, he wrote that. Yeah. Yeah, so The Day After Tomorrow, one of, I, I really enjoy that film. Lisa loves a, a world ender. I do yeah. like an apocalyptic movie. I'm it's not a, a big bit fan. Odd. You know, I think. I, oh, you know. Oh, I, I love think Americans they, saving the world is great. I think if they were, if they were, if if they were shown to take place over a substantial period of time, 
obviously that would be even more boring than the actual films were, but it always, it, they always wind me up that everything just happens on the same day. All of a sudden everything's oh, yeah. flooded or frozen or on fire and it's all happening on the same day yeah. and John Cusack's got to save his daughter or whatever. Yeah, there's always some kind of male American or American yeah. expert slash hero of the of the cause. Yeah, I love him. Bit of escapism for me, but I didn't know that that was the day after tomorrow is actually one of his books. No, I didn't either. Doesn't that doesn't, yeah. doesn't that have the famous line "The neutrinos are mutating"? The neutrinos are mutating. Excellent. Yes. And that's science fact. It, it, it is. Well, it is actually. And do you know what? I read a book about neutrinos not too long ago. One that I stole from an Airbnb in the south of France because I was that into it. Don't um, out yourself, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, the gendarmes will be knocking neutri- on your door. Neutri- just- neutrinos, man. Honestly. Blow your mind, literally, like absolutely crazy what goes on with those things. So let's let's summarise this one. So I think the general gist from uh, this is another one where we all agree is that the events that happened are purely just the fantasies of Mr. Strieber. I, w- I would like to say one thing in his defence. He was ridiculed for 25 years as being the man who was raped by aliens. Like there were thousands upon thousands of posts. And I wonder that, would you would you out that experience and cause yourself that level of personal ridicule? I'm just putting it out there. If you didn't believe is it, it has millions in book sales. In a, you know, look, it could I, be as I, now. This is where I refer back to the what I said at the start of the of the podcast about abductees. Is that you know an abductee is someone who either has been or believes they have been abducted by aliens, and I think that I. I believe that Whitley Strieber believes he was abducted by aliens. Or or visitors. Or visitors. Do I do I believe he was abducted? No. But I I think he believes it. Which is why he's, you know, stood for being ridiculed for so long with regards to the claims in his books. I mean, yeah. do you think he would have sold as many books if he just carried on being a fictional author? Because he was successful, wasn't he? Yeah, super successful. No, he didn't. Sold he didn't need to do this. No, no, no that's true. Yeah, big like films out, hadn't he? And it, he's, and, he's and, not and a struggling author. Yeah, that's it. And and it would have been it would have been simpler if he had, as I suggested earlier, you know, just set out to write a book from a first person perspective as an abductee. It would have been simpler to just say, yeah, it's it's you know, it's a story. Enjoy it. You know, we'll make a film of it. Mm. I'll make my money. You know, because he was already successful. It's not. It's not like he was desperate to you know make his mark or. You know, mm. take take advantage of a situation or anything like that. So it's 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 a strange one to me because I'm not I'm not saying I believe he was abducted or you know that anything as fanciful as he says happened. But I I, I think I'm probably with you, Mike. I think he believes something happened. Yeah. Whether yeah, yeah. whether he whether he already believed it before he visited the ufologist hypnotist, or whether that person has you know helped him to believe this narrative or you know reinforced it rather than, you know, bringing it out of him. I don't know, but I'd, I'd, I'd be inclined to actually think that he, he does think something happened to him. I'd, yeah. I'd agree with that. I, yeah, I, 100%. I, and also, like, like you said, Eddie, why else, why else would you go around for 25 years saying, you know, this is what happened to me? Being ridiculed for it. Yeah, when he didn't have to. Yeah, no. It's, um, I, th- I think he's, even if he has kind of created this on purpose, he is now fully up to his neck in it. And there's, mm. there's, there's no coming, there's no coming back from this, is there? Do you know no. what I mean? He's, he's gone on about this for way too long. Yeah. You know? He's and a, he's a, uh, he's a, an experienced storyteller. He, he's so. a person of extreme interest, I think, to sceptics and believers. I think he, he would warrant 
further investigation. I think the other thing that is also quite interesting about it is that Lisa and I, we did do some other research around people who had been taken by UFOs. And there were quite a lot of similarities. There is a there is a broad consensus against a certain group of people who have been abducted. There are a number of similarities. I'm thinking about, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but there was a group of, I think they were construction workers. And one of the guys... Oh, you're going about Travis was, Walton? Yeah. And there were a lot of similarities in terms of what what he describes um, and also what uh, Whitley uh, Schreiber has... Encountered. Encountered, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Wow. Well, yeah, Travis think, uh, Travis Walton's another one that we're going to uh, we're going to look at in the future again in season three of Skeptics and Believers, twenty twenty four, a paranormal podcast. Would you say that we're going to probe him? Well, <laughs> we could be probing the story around Travis Walton and his abduction, as made famous in the film A Fire in the Sky. But yeah, so I think are we all on the same page here that you know he believes something we happened, are. but it probably didn't. Yeah, I think we've um, won a, a, a rare run of all agreeing with each other mm. on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely more to this one. So that's been our episode on Whitley Strieber and his alleged alien abduction. Thank you ever so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can drop us an email, tell us about your own experiences at skepticsandbelieverspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at snbpod number one. And that's Twitter. And you can follow us on the gram via the handle skepticsbelieverspod. You're so down with the kids, Mike. I know. I know. Matt's just kind of shaking his head, just going, what the what? The You're not on the gram, are you? You? <laughs> you don't have any of this. Do you? You're not on the gram, <laughs> are you, Matt? I'm not on the gram, no. No, he's not on the gram. So thanks ever so much for listening and join us next week where we're going to be discussing the big hairy thing known as Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. So until then, please do take care of yourselves. This podcast has been brought to you by Obsidian Shark Productions. The music featured in this podcast can be found at freemusicarchive.org and is used under the Creative Commons license. More details can be found on our website. Thank you.